All right, here I gotta got my socks, got my pants, underwear. Oh, oh, I need clean underwear. Uh, what are you doing? I'm um, packing for a trip. Okay, where to? Minnesota. That sounds nice. Make sure you wait. Why are you going to Minnesota? To see the UFO car. <laughs> you say it so nonchalantly. There's a UFO car in Minnesota? Yeah, duh. Why haven't you told me about the UFO car? What does that even mean, a UFO car? Well, Val Johnson, a police officer, hold on here, had a light strike his car in the late 70s, leaving a whole bunch of damage and you can still see it today. <laughs> Read about it while doing research for this week's episode. I feel kind of left out, but okay. Can I come? Mm, then who's going to do the episode for the week? I never get to do nothing. Well, I wrote it all up here. Uh, hey, here it is. Uh, just start at the top there. Okay. Thank you for joining us this week on the Supernatural Tendencies podcast, where we'll dive straight into a new baffling UFO case. And plant your behind until after the show, where we'll have Life is Short for this week's Musician Spotlight. I'm Christy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is Alex. And this is episode 30, The Val Johnson UFO Encounter. One's occupation can sometimes play into how the public views you and your opinion, even more so when it comes to sightings of the unusual. While stories of the outlandish seem even more unbelievable when coming from a ranting and raving individual, seemingly in the depths of lunacy, accounts from professionals often garner a little more respected listen. Case in point, police officers— are trained to take in and understand situations with a keen eye and mind toward assessing possible dangerous situations. For our instance today, this level of professionalism is key when it's time to recite what exactly happened in the event in question. Our person of interest, Val Johnson, a police officer in the northwest Minnesota county of Marshall. The night of August 27, 1979, would forever give him food for thought on the paranormal. While on patrol on the local county roads at around 1.40 in the morning, Officer Johnson would notice a light in the sky off in the distance. He decided to take a few turns to get a closer look. Guessing that it may just be a single headlight from an oncoming car in the distance, he wasn't alarmed at this point. All at once, the distance between Officer Johnson's patrol car and the shining object shortened, and the object came flying toward the car at an alarming rate. He would describe the object as an orb of light about one foot across and hovering about three and a half feet off the ground and covering a mile and a half almost instantaneously. He wouldn't have much time to take in any more specifics as the orb flew at his car, colliding with it, forcing Officer Johnson off the road. The surprised man would lose consciousness, 
but before passing out, he described a brilliant light filling the inside of the car, and he could hear the crunching of glass as whatever it was did its damage. At 2.19 a.m., dispatch would hear the radio crackle to life from a groggy officer Johnson requesting assistance. The deputy that was sent out to aid the distressed patrol car was surprised by the condition of the scene. Officer Johnson's 1977 Ford LTD, which had skidded sideways, half on and half off the roadway, also showed broken headlights, bent antennas, various dents across the top of the car, and a broken windshield. Interestingly, the only debris that could be found was that of his own car. While not totaled, one would still expect signs of whatever had hit him to be evident as well, with what damage his own vehicle had exhibited. The damage to the outside of the car wouldn't be the only thing that would boggle the minds of all involved. Both the dash clock and Johnson's own wristwatch had been observed as running slow by about 14 minutes. This seemed all the more strange when Johnson was known for vigilantly syncing his wristwatch and dash clock with the station's time at the start of his shift. An ambulance had been called to assess Officer Johnson. He was described as being sluggish, shaky, and in a mild state of shock. Furthermore, he showed a moderate amount of irritation to his eyes. Being described as, quote, welders burn, they were inflamed and sensitive to lights. To be clear, welders burn is generally described as a reaction that can occur when the eyes are exposed to intense lights, like that of an arc welder, for example. While this type of reaction can occur from any type of UV light, the end result is usually the same a sunburn-like sensation that can vary in severity from the length of exposure. After care was taken, the irritation to Johnson's eyes would go away in about six hours. Johnson would later be questioned by Sheriff Dennis Breck, who would believe Johnson to the point of contacting Alan Hendry, an astronomer, ufologist, and advocate for the, quote, scientific study of UFOs. Hendry was an investigator for the Center of UFO Studies in Illinois and would make the trip to Warren the next day. Hendry concluded that while he couldn't be clear on what exactly collided with the cruiser, it was certainly not a hoax. Hendry would request that a glass expert be sent out to aid in the investigation. Meridian French, a crash technician for the Ford Motor Company, would provide a little more insight into the situation. He would say that while the cracks on the windshield could easily be reproduced, it was interesting that whatever hit it, most likely hard in density, hit it with a force as to, quote, bend the glass to the point of breaking, something he had not really seen before. A representative from Honeywell would also take a peek at some of the damage with the car, the bent antennas specifically. The representative could only surmise that the antennas, one on the roof and one on the trunk of the vehicle, were bent by a strong burst of air, but couldn't provide any concrete solutions as to the source. He was for sure, though, that they weren't bent by hand due to the presence of bugs still visible. Through most of the professional investigations done, one could still be asking a few questions. Foremost, and without outwardly calling into question Officer Johnson's claims, there is always the concern for a hoax. Maybe not in the fashion of purely fabricating the story for entertainment, but maybe as a cover-up of sorts. Is there the possibility that Johnson lost control of the vehicle for whatever reason and came up with the story to ease the repercussions he could have possibly sustained? When dealing with any kind of encounter, it should be procedure to question all possible solutions. To his credit, Sheriff Breck, who has known Johnson for many years, would go on record with the assurance that Johnson is a family man and wouldn't fabricate any part of his story. 
That, coupled with the fact that Johnson has sought very little financial gain from the incident, leads further credence to this idea. For the next year, the Johnson's phone would not stop ringing. With his story hitting the front pages across the country, seemingly everyone wanted the story from the source. Johnson would say that his wife was run ragged over the constant phone calls. While he did decline a $1,000 offer from the National Enquirer to go under hypnosis, he would make an appearance on the TV show That's Incredible. This would only fuel the public's curiosity for the strange happening. Being the popular story for a moment, time would be the only remedy for the influx of attention to this household. And other stories would come along and push me off the front page, thank goodness, Johnson would later say. He would stay on as deputy after the encounter, but soon he would take the job as chief of police in the nearby town of Oslo, Minnesota. One article would state that in 1982, he would be hired to form the Rousseau, Minnesota Police Department, but would lose his job not long after due to a funding dispute. He would take up a job as a security officer at the Twin Cities Mall until a friend got him a job answering customer service calls for 3M. Johnson would state, Once you're chief of police and then you get fired, you're unhirable. Johnson would remain fairly open about the incident welcoming anyone who came by to talk about it over lemonade in his backyard. An article written for NPR by John Enger in 2015 would state that by then a 71-year-old Johnson had retired and moved to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. He won't speculate on what happened to him any longer. The article reads that he doesn't think the light that he saw was extraterrestrial, but he also won't rule out the possibilities. Fortunately for everyone nowadays, if the story itself doesn't hit the spot for you, you can always visit the Warren Historical Society's museum. Why, you ask? Because thanks to the urging of then-Sheriff Dennis Breck to not have the car repaired, you can now see the Ford LTD in all of its mysteriously damaged glory. The museum now holds the title to the bronze-colored patrol car and is open to the visitors during special events. Go see for yourself. All in all, Val Johnson now regards the incident as a good bar story. But for the ufology community, it provides a solid case that spills with physical evidence. As one of the best documented cases in history, investigated by many professionals in various fields, the incident that would propel Officer Johnson into the limelight will most likely never fade completely away. It will live on to perplex generations of ufologists and the general populace alike. You know, the kind of stories we like here at the Supernatural Tendencies podcast. You just snuck that right in there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Hey! You just snuck it right in there. Are we there. back officially? It says my mic's muted. Oh, that's, I know why. I'm dumb. Every time. You do that every time. We can't hear the music, and you haven't changed no, the music No, we can't hear anyway. the music whenever we do the do our, our little intro music there. and, and It doesn't show up. Anyway. Yeah, well, it, show, it shows up, but it, we don't hear the music. We see the so image. So like you guys saw the, the music. Yeah, we, we, well, we hear the music. We see the image, but we can't hear the music, so it's just silent, and then whenever the feed pops back up like oh there it is ember said yes yay to the hamster oh okay good sis wants a hamster we'll leave that with (laughs) oops uh saxon said hi paula says watch it son she might pop you that's all right i deserve it anyway paula does that's all is my witness so we're back again my witness we're back again we got to reiterate how we've been gone for three weeks uh we are i know i am very fervent on making sure we keep on a schedule but with the obvious things going on in the world uh we kind of seen it 
in a dire situation to maybe well, adhere to some of it. Yeah. And then, well, then I got sick. I had an ear infection. You got sick yeah, with some stomach miscellaneous <clears throat> stomach issue going on. A little stomach thing. And yeah. uh, we're back again uh, because I just can't follow rules. So again. Here we are uh, in a house of two people. Uh, we are keeping six feet apart. That's how I prefer it with her anyway. So it's just normal, normal, normalcy for me. You, you see? Do you see what it's, I'm saying now? I call them as I see them. And so what do we got today? We got the Val Johnson UFO. Uh, you, I love this story. You labeled it an attack. It is an attack. What would you call it? it? An encounter. An encounter to me. You guys tell me, am I wrong here? An encounter means, okay, there was a situation. There was a situation. Right? But an attack is, that's pretty much self-explanatory. And this guy was attacked. Did you see the car? But, but if you get into a car accident, are you attacked via car accident? Is a, is a car accident an encounter? Kind of. That's an episode. That's a situation. It's still an encounter. That's you an a encounter situation. with another car. You can. That's a kind of a broad statement, encounter. But an attack, it's pretty specific. Well, we're going to tell the story here, <laughs> and we're going to let you guys decide. Is it a oh, situation, yeah. option A? <laughs> is it option B, an encounter? Or is it option C, an attack? <laughs> Really we'll take a poll. It's an attack. We'll take a poll after. All right, so start us off here All on the right. Val Johnson UFO attack. What happened? We are going to set the stage. Give us the skinny. We're going to set the stage. I like that. Give us the skinny. Wow, okay. Uh, 1979, northwestern Minnesota. Minnesota. I was eight years old. <laughs> in, in 1979, I was eight years old. Okay, you, carry on. You were nowhere near northwestern Minnesota. No, no. I was in West Virginia at the time. Yeah. I was in West Virginia at the time having my own UFO encounters yeah so maybe it's the same one but let's why you gotta go there i don't know uh specifically marshall county in northwestern minnesota what i like to consider the preamble to the great white north yeah I, I, canada, i'll agree with that i'll agree with that canada's a great white north right yeah, yeah. and then it's like Love it's canada. literally like three counties from the canadian border so the uh the prelude to the great white north is where we're going to be setting it today very close to i believe is it is it montana north dakota something like that one of those two. I'm not even going to get into it because I'm like I'm pretty good at geography and we're close with with North Dakota, Montana. I think it's North Dakota. So 1979, Northwest Minnesota. Our police officer, our person of interest, his name is Val Johnson, was on a normal routine. Uh, I would call it a beat, but to yeah, me, yeah. I associate a beat with the city. Like you walk a beat. Do you drive a beat? We went through this before Didn't in we? another episode. No, you can only walk a beat. Okay, so you're dri- you're not driving a beat, so he's driving patrol. He's patrolling. Yeah, he's driving patrol. There yeah. we go. We'll suffice it. Patrolling at about 1.40 in the morning, graveyard shift, and he notices a light off in the distance. He's- Why are you talking so fast? Am I talking fast? Yeah, you're like... I'm sorry. I, I, want, I literally want to jump up and run in a circle. Okay. I'll slow down. Dial back a notch. All right. We're going to slow down. So he's uh, about 140 in the morning. He's on a driving patrol. Uh, and I don't think that Warren, is it Marshall, Ma- Warren County, Marshall County is, is I, I don't know if I want to say sparsely populated, but it's, it's more a, of a it's, rural it's area. It's a lot of rural areas. Yeah. So he's out 140 in the morning driving the back roads and he notices a light off in the distance. And it's a single, it's a single light. So he is kind of yep. concerned that it's, that it may be like a motorist with a single headlight. Yeah. So I imagine in 1979, as cool as people were, he would maybe just kind of find him and be like, hey, you got a light out, go home. Yeah. Fix it, right. Nowadays, that'd get you like diversion. You have to go through counseling sessions. You have to appear in court three times. 
But no, he goes and he takes a left turn, he takes a right turn, takes a left turn, trying to find this, try to get closer to this light. And before he knows it, uh, he says that in maybe a stretch of a mile and a half, it comes at him mm-hmm. like instantaneously. In so, an attack-like fashion? Maybe he was just driving. Mm-hmm. The light could have been driving fast, whatever it was. I say driving just because it was flying fast. And yeah, it, yeah. Joyride. Maybe they had a couple of you know extraterrestrial brews, Woo-hoo! and they don't not notice. They're out in the middle of the country, and oh crap, here I come! But boom. anyway, moving on. So he describes this light um, when it was about, like I said, about a mile and a half away. As the best he could describe it, it would be uh, like a foot across and about three and a half feet off the ground. Up until the point that it instantaneously teleported to him, uh, it's going to be, uh, he thought anyway, that it was going to be, uh, again, this one headlight out vehicle, whatever it could be. Uh, when it came to that mile and a half and it instantaneously came upon him. Like bum rushed him. Holy crap. Ellie Harvey's here. Oh my gosh. I, I got to stop. I Ellie. can't see Ellie. Hi, Ellie girl. Ellie is on my Facebook page. Hello, Ellie. I'm glad you made it. I bu- I'm starting to wonder if you were forced to make it before, uh, with having to do with a self-quarantine thing. You leave her alone. She's got two babies she's taking care of. You leave Miss Ellie alone. But I'm glad she finally made it. We've talked about Miss Ellie a few times on this podcast. We love Ellie. She finally made it. Thank you, Ellie. What? What? So let's get back to it. So about a mile and a half out, this this light suddenly flashes toward his cruiser. Okay? Um, the cabin of the car, the... the the Is it cabin? It's a cab, but is that... Cab, cabin? yeah. You know, okay. the inside of the car. The, the inside, inside of the, of the car, vehicle. Totally illuminated. Filled up with... White light. To the point of, of overwhelming yeah. Officer Johnson. Yeah. He loses control of the car and he passes out. But before he loses consciousness, he uh, can hear the sound of crunching glass. Uh, not shattering like you shatter a window because, you know, automotive glass isn't made like that. There's yeah. usually like a laminate that tends to spiderweb it to help. Well, you know what? Yeah, 1979, okay. Yeah, it's got that, like, safety coating over yeah. it, so it, it'll, if, it won't explode. It shouldn't. Yeah. It'll, it should just crackle and crack and stay now, within yeah, the confines. I've done the research for this, so I know what's coming, so I should have remembered that for a split second. I'm like, wait a minute. Did it? Did they still shatter that? I don't remember. But I do remember. Bear with me. Negate that thought. Um, and, and then he hears a crushing the glass, and then he passes out. About 219, dispatch gets a call from Officer Johnson. Um, groggy. Slow in his speech. Yeah, like request, he's out of it. Requesting assistance. And they asked him what was wrong, and he essentially says, I don't know, something you know, something weird, right? That's not a quote. Don't quote me. Uh, something weird happened, and uh, I need help. Yeah, so like he was real disoriented, not, yeah. you know. Yeah. Because he, did, he had lost consciousness. So, you know, he was kind of coming back around and just like, uh. Yeah. Oh, Ellie says, I'm always home, Clovis or not. So apparently she likes the Clovis people. Don't the, Clo- don't the Clovis people have the special type of, uh, was it Flint head? You don't I, know this? I literally don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, right I'll show now. you after. What this the hell is... is a Clovis? Never mind. We'll discuss this later. If anybody out there is a little more academically minded, I don't mean to sound bad about that, but if you've watched enough History Channel, you may know about the Clovis people. Anyway, uh, haha, Ellie, COVID. I don't not like Clovis. how you said that. I'm not a- academically minded. Do you know what the Clovis people who No, are the Clovis people strangely were? enough, I haven't ever heard of so them. There you go. And you sound. But I am academically minded. <laughs> I, I, will pick up a ha- I will pick up a hammer and throw it at your head, keeping okay. the six foot safe 
distance. I'm going to take two seconds to explain. I didn't mean academically minded, but Please you were stupid. Please explain it for us stupid people. I'm, I literally said stupid at the same time. In that you find it interesting enough to be able to read about anthropology and stuff like that, and you don't get bored enough to put the book or show down immediately. Because that tends to be normal. Normal people don't give a crap about that crap. So... Uh, where were we? I remember. So they sent the assisting deputy out. Deputy, can't remember. I don't think I don't think I had a name on him. Yeah. But when he got there, he noticed that first and foremost, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Officer Johnson's car was actually skidded half on, half off the roadway. So I think from the pictures, and we and you can look this up. We need what we need to look into is Hold we on, can actually I can do that right now. Oh, okay. I, I believe I can. Hold on. You keep talking and keep let talking. me do my little thing. I was just going to ask you if we could put pictures up for him. So yeah. uh, half on, half off the roadway, and I believe there were skid marks. So Officer Johnson made the conscious decision of seeing the thing coming at him, and then he tried to slam on his brakes, and obviously he lost control of the vehicle, and it skidded half on, half off. Uh, the deputy noticed also the various, the copious, the cornucopia of damage that had happened to the cruiser. Broken headlights. Uh, obviously, the window was you know, spider, you know, sp- spider webbed. Uh, the antennas, two, I believe, two or three of which, one was on the front of the cruiser. I think one was on the back. Were both bent at, uh, I think they were slightly different angles, but still bent towards the top of them in the same direction. Do you have that? Not to change the subject, but can I minimize Reaper? That won't. Go. I hope so. Oh, I haven't done it yet. I'm asking you if I can. I don't know. Just well, hold see. on. Let me see if I've I can move it. it. I'm scared to do that, but that's why I usually... Right yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, so I got a couple of Im- different images here. I'm just going to flash them up, um, mm-hmm. you know, as we are talking. Okay. And I'll probably... I'll probably uh, point them out when they come up here sorry to the uh sorry to the purely audio listeners uh again if you want to get involved with this and see the extras uh saturday or sundays we usually put up on our group supernatural tendencies podcast on facebook get involved you can chat and i'll shout you out and i'll look like a dumbass right in front of you and you can see my face it's not great <laughs> it's not great but it's fine it'll do yeah yeah so here's just kind of a visual of what he experienced at the time is this oh wow is this yeah i have other images i'm gonna flash up but... yeah, is, it a, is it a slideshow uh well, no, it's I'm the slideshow. I'm popping them up. But yeah, oh, so okay. this just gives you a little visual on, you know, kind of the light coming at him. Okay, now this this is a picture from some type of reenactment. This is not yeah, the actual yeah. picture. The first picture was, though, that was a spiderwebbed um, windshield, I believe. So as she continues to click through, uh, again, the, the, the broken headlights... Uh, broken headlight. The one on the right side was broken. Uh, and uh, from what I understand is there's two there's two sections to this headlight. There's the main light and then there's a smaller light just to the left of that. The left one was fine. Here's the windshield, like I said. Yeah. Uh, to the, the, the smaller headlight to the left was fine, but the larger one, the main one to the right, uh, was broken. Uh, not... I don't think it was falling out of the cruiser, but it was definitely broken. The antennas, like I spoke about, were on the same side. So two of them were bent back. And then obviously you could see in the picture how the, the windshield is actually spiderwebbed on, yeah, on the right side. out there. Lots of damage. So whatever hit it was, wasn't big enough to actually wreck the entire front of the car. Like if you see a lot of collisions, uh, you tend to see if it was a car on car action, you see a lot more devastation towards the front end, not so much towards the back end, etc. Uh, in this case, we whatever the object was that hit him mainly affected the right side. So we can kind of, kind of get a scope of how big it was in a mm-hmm. way. Um, it didn't crush the cab at all. Uh, it left some dents here and there. Excuse me, I burped. Ooh. And these images Ooh. are from Google. So, so you can you can do an yep. image search and find those. Uh, we will we will allude to why there's so many images uh, of this case today later on later on in the script here. Um, 
but there are plenty of images that you can you can get a hold of and see for yourself yeah yeah let me post up uh just real quick here um a picture of val johnson so you can kind of get an idea of what he looks like so this is normal guy normal yeah just he's just like us he's a normal guy yep normal guy uh i think that was shortly after he did it yeah or shortly after the incident happened uh, we haven't got to the picture of the actual whole car sliding off. But interestingly enough, there's a little thing in the background right above his head to the right. I noticed that in the picture. Hey, Just Jeremy Bethel. with me here. Jeremy Bethel, thanks for joining us. Moni Ochoa. Ochoa. I am talking fast, am I not? I know. Whoa. That's what I, earlier I was like, why the heck is he talking so Michael fast? Michael King, Devin Hall, thanks for joining us. If you're still here, I got five people watching, I think. I'm not sure who they are. Uh, my dad's here. Thanks, Eddie. Uh, so, uh, so that's what the officer noticed or the, the, the assisting officer had noticed, uh, when he came upon the scene, the second thing that he, he noticed, and there's, there's a few things he's going to notice, believe me. The second thing that he noticed was that there weren't, there was no other debris from, uh, any other object, any other car, any other horse and buggy, any other, uh, what are those little, uh, what are those, I'm, I'm ruining my joke, but what are those things? These, uh, three wheelers, those old kids toys, you lock up the brakes and they slide. Oh yeah. What are those called? No debris from one of those. I can't think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's there's no other debris f- except for what was from the cruiser. So if you have some of you have what damage that we're seeing, you would think there'd be some pieces, some particles, some trace, some paint scrapings, anything. And there wasn't anything like that. The third thing, and uh, all this is besides the fact that Officer Johnson's just like still kind of waking up from being passed out, uh, is that. The clocks are not only in the dash of the cruiser, but also on Officer Johnson's wristwatch were 14 minutes short. Mm-hmm. So we have missing time. We have missing time. Yeah. Some sort of missing time. Yeah. Which, this is odd for this to be happening because uh, Val Johnson was known uh, before every shift to actually sink. Here's actually, here's the picture of the car. Kind of a bad picture, but. It's all right. It's still a badass looking car, though. Yeah, yeah. You can see, um, you can see a little bit in the front. Um, if you notice toward the front headlight, the one on the inside, you can see that's broken. Um, as well as the windshield, you can see the damage there. I don't think it shows. Uh, no, you can't see the antenna in in the back. But both antennas on the car were bent. Yeah, and we'll get we'll probably get to some other pictures as well. This is this is an actual picture of it sitting, uh, after after it. So after the incident. So yeah. That's his Ford LTD. He is on his game today. Big wheel. Yes, big thank wheel. you. Big wheel. Thanks, Myrtle. It was the big wheel. Thank you. Uh, hey, Matilda, thanks for joining us. So this was odd for these... these. Wait, is that where I was? Sinking his time? Yeah, sinking... Yeah. Did it, I say that, though? I'm yeah, going to say yeah. it again. Uh, this was yeah. odd for him because he was... Val Johns was known for sinking his time on both his wristwatch as well as the dash clock in the cruiser with the, the uh, station house yeah, yeah so that all he knew three that, on the same yep, time he was known for doing that before his shift mm-hmm. so to have them 14 minutes off uh could we say that he forgot possibly but as a working individual who goes into work every day you tend to have that routine a routine yeah, that you do yeah. right it whatever that routine is and a lot of us need that routine to keep in 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 the groove of doing it so could he have forgotten sure but it's kind of weird that this would happen this incident whatever it was whatever you think it is at at least up until this point or even at the end of this story whatever you think it might have been uh he he forgot to sync his clocks and it was 14 minutes off so even see that's the thing though is even if he forgot that day 
to sink him, mm-hmm. to be 14 minutes off when in theory he should have done it the day before. How many days of not sinking them would he have had to have done to make this theory plausible? Yeah, yeah, I thought that too. Not doing it. So, yeah. so it just lends credence, a little bit more credence to the story that this was a purely odd happening. Whatever it was, whatever it was that hit him, uh, in conjunction with his, his clocks being off, that he was actively known for sinking before he left on his shift. So we can move on. The uh, the ambulance was called uh, to to aid Officer Johnson. He, like I said, he was a sluggish, shaky, groggy, uh, in a mild state of shock. Uh, all this is okay. He, they were he were treating him and everything else. Uh, Jeremy Bethel says he was most likely former military if he uh, if he uh, sinks his clocks. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Uh, That's a good point. Or maybe he was trained by someone who's in the military. Regardless, mm-hmm. he, he had the importance of the routine, which is is very well important to, to people in the military or who were in the military. Uh, so that was a very good thing to point out. It's pretty cool. Uh, so... Uh, where was I? Sorry. The uh, the ambulance came, and all those things could be taken as you just got into an accident. Most people would exhibit. The one thing that they had to treat him for that wouldn't, or that wasn't normal for you to treat any usual car accident victim or you know participant, uh, would it be the the inflammation of his eyes. Um, he exhibited symptoms of what uh, what a lot of people would would know as welder's burn, and we actually went in a little more. A little in depth to kind of explain what welder's burn is in the script. Uh, if you do not know what welder's burn is, it's uh, an exposure to UV light to your eyes, and we see it a lot with welders. Actually, there was mm-hmm. there was a dude who I went to school with who actually got a little bit of welder's burn uh, in in the shop one day. Yeah, it's painful. And he said it was like having sand in your eyes. Yeah. And he every time you like you needed to blink, but every time you blink, it'd be like rolling sand across the entirety mm-hmm. of your eyeball. And so he had to actually end up going to the hospital. I think they gave him some drops and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Val Johnson's case was this bad because I think um, my my friend's ordeal actually took a couple <laughs> days to fully to fully heal. Val Johnson's I think took like six to eight hours or something like that. But regardless, in normal traffic collisions, you don't see that. So whatever it was that just enveloped the inside of the cab with a light before it before it smacked the patrol car, uh, did that to his eyes. So it had enough intensity to make his eyes, you know, you know, burn. Um, I always have to bring it up because I am the naysayer. Uh, if you're on drugs, your eyes get that red. Well, but they're not gonna. There is you're not gonna have that feeling. Uh, you know that you've got sand in your eyes, and it's and it's not yeah. going to last. For um, technically, technically, you know, it's not going to last that long. Technically, he didn't describe his symptoms as as having sand in your eyes. I'm trying to convey that as to what it feels like if no one's ever experienced it. But for him, if your eyes are just red, if my if I come in here and my eyes are really red, you go, man, your eyes are red. You wouldn't be able to tell exactly how it feels unless I told you. Yeah. So So, so are you alluding to the fact that Val could have been off like smoking some pot or something or? I'm just bringing up every possible every possible explanation. Wow. Now, what I will keep coming back to, though, as I'm bringing up possible other solutions, <laughs> because that is what, what I want to do, um, I will always come back to the fact that all of these things have to come together in a perfect way. Uh, it would be more of a stretch to try to put them together in a way that would make all this make sense in another form than to than to just say that it's that something weird hit his car. Yeah, you've got to look at all the different possible, you know, don't just automatically... Okay, well, he says he saw a, a bright light filling his car. Yep. All this, he got attacked. Oh, it's got to be a UFO. Uh, you, when you go into an investigation like this, you need to lay out all the possible explanations that 
could be surrounding this case instead of just automatically jumping yeah. to that conclusion. And, you need to look into it. Investigate it. And here at the Supernatural Tendencies podcast, as we've said before, I always I always say that, especially for myself, that, I man, there's another podcast and I don't want to use it. I don't even know if I can remember it. Um, I really want to believe. Uh, what? Oh, there was a phrase. I think it might be from the Kryptonaut podcast. By the way, shout out to Rob Morphy and the guys over at the Kryptonaut podcast. They do a great job of what they do. So if you guys like cryptids, what they do, I'm going to take a short clip. I'm sorry for sidetracking. They don't do the normal big name monsters. They do the little monsters that you've probably never heard of. Uh, they sit around, drink a couple of beers. Those and are the cool ones. They do. They do. It's it's crazy mm-hmm. the ones that they do. Yeah, so if so you get check time, them out. Check them out. Yep. If you're listening to us on an audio podcast and you haven't te- checked out the Kryptonite podcast, give them a shout give out. Give them a listen. Let them know we sent you, please. Yes. Much appreciated. Uh, so so ha- uh, before you go on here, Holly yep. brings up a good point here. Could mm-hmm. it have been, you know, another possible theory is could it have been extreme extreme fatigue? At this point, extreme fatigue has such an effect on someone's body and at the same time has such a varying effect on between your body and my body, for example, mm-hmm. that I think in just about any paranormal case, could you could you say that to be true? Probably, I mean, yeah. I saw someone, I saw a ghost pick up my pop and throw it in my face. Mm-hmm. I mean... Was it extreme fatigue? Did, it extreme uh, fatigue? did you maybe hallucinate it? And and you know sometimes illicit drug use mirrors extreme fatigue. That's true. I mean you hallucinate, you do things. It's you're sluggish. Your reaction mm-hmm. times down. Mm-hmm. So to say that extreme fatigue is is absolutely not the answer. Uh, I I know it's I know it's a blanket statement. I know it's a che- cheap thing to do to blame extreme fatigue all the time. But that's always that's always yeah. a thing, especially since. The human body, it's internal biological clock. You got to be a real special individual to be able mm-hmm. to do a third shift patrol, a third shift job. I mean, some people can't even can't even handle it correctly. So that's always. Uh, Ford executive said the object went through the windshield, then back out again. I did not see that, Jen. I've watched about four or five videos, and I've read over like eight articles. I had not seen that because there's no actual puncture through the windshield. Um, we'll get to some pictures. I didn't read that. Maybe I missed it. Uh, but we are getting to the the Ford expert. Um, okay, so the, what we're getting back to here at the Supernatural Tendencies podcast, we always like to cover any possibility it could be. Unfortunately, for this case, the only real possibilities we have are reaching to connect mundane things together that have to, have to happen in such a way that it just almost seems much more feasible that just this object hit him. Right? We'll get to it. We're going. We're we're going to continue. So. Um, Adding into the the skeptability, skeptability, the skepticism. Say, so are we just making words up as we go along? Now? And you know what? The worst part is, I'm not even looking for that. I'm looking for the opposite to lend credence to the reliability, <laughs> <laughs> to, to the reliability of Val Johnson, his sheriff. Uh, I guess the head of the station, Sheriff Dennis Breck, uh, believed Johnson to the point that he would actually go on record saying that he's a reliable person. He's a family man. He wouldn't make any of this yeah, up. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's he's not one given to making up crazy stories. Yeah. Via his via his actions, that, that being Sheriff Breck, uh, he would double down on this by contacting an Alan Hendry from the, I want to get it right, Center for UFO Studies out of Illinois. And Hendry would be up there the next day to start investigating. Yeah. So Henry uh, would also be featured on this on this uh, show, and we'll get to it later when we start talking about the things that he uh, that Officer Johnson kind of did afterwards. But I believe the show is that's incredible. I loved that show in the I 70s. Did. I've never even heard of it. 80s. What? Nope. Nope. Who was? I'm trying to think. Who was the the host of it? Um, it was uh, Kathy Lee Crosby. 
Really? Jim Stafford, and I can't remember the, Fran Tarkington. Huh? And nope, I think I'm right. You guys remember that show? Uh, that's incredible. But you got to check it out. They have they have a whole episode on this one, and this is a it was a pretty good episode because they 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 rounded out all the different inquiries that people had. So obviously they had uh, they had Alan Hendry on, and Alan Hendry went out and did the preliminary you know look over of the scene, took in some of the information, took mm-hmm. took all the information in. Said that he really couldn't explain it, but what did he say? Where was it at here? I had it. Uh, he, he couldn't say what exactly collided with the cruiser, but he was certain that it wasn't a hoax. Um, and, and Henry does a real good job of bringing in as many professionals as he can to help corroborate anything that every, everything that he can. I know that was from the department or Department of Redundancy Department, but that's what I'm doing today. Uh, Henry would actually request that a glass expert from Ford be sent in. A Facebook user who just said awesome with a bunch of hearts, 100%. Uh, can't see you. Please accept the, uh, where was it again? Did you put that up? Uh, I, I did at the beginning. Hold on. Let me grab it, and I'll put it back up again. Yep, uh, she's going to go ahead and post that link. When, uh, just give uh, StreamYard permission to use your comment. If not, you're going to appear as a generic Facebook user. We have no idea who you are. But thank you. Um, <laughs> but thank you. Give me a just. Give me a That's right. Go ahead. Yep, go I'm going to keep going. So the uh, Ford expert, uh, his name was Meridian French, who was sent in. And it's so funny, too, because if you watch him on That's Incredible, he's standing there, and I'm assuming whoever's operating the camera or, or conducting the interview, what have you, asks, asks him of his credentials. And the entire time he's, like, explaining who he is, you could tell that he has no idea exactly why he is supposed to be there? Yeah. <laughs> like he goes, well, uh, Alan Hendry uh, contacted the powers to be at Ford, and that came down to me, so I am here as a professional. Like he has no real yeah. idea. <laughs> he's just been told he's a professional, and that's why he's there. He's, and he's the, there. He's, he's just happy to be there. Nearly no agreeance with that, but if you get a chance, uh, I think it's pretty easy to find that 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 that's incredible episode that this is and meridian french man he's just a trooper i love that just, name i know it's a great name he has no real idea why he's there because he doesn't see himself as professional but they said he was so he's going to be for the interview so he takes you through kind of uh what he sees and what he sees is not exactly out out of the question for normalcy uh, what he did say though is he well what he did was he would take like a what was like a tissue paper like tracing paper, mm. and he would trace out the lines from the spider web. And uh, he said he's he's kind of seen this overall thing before, but what he hasn't seen is that the object that hit hit with what what broke the windshield wasn't exactly the the force that it hit. It actually bent the glass to the point of breaking. So it's as if you put your hand on it and then push so hard that it bent. Yeah. The curvature of the glass until it couldn't resist anymore, and then it shattered. Yeah, not an all-out smack that caused that caused the issue. So more like pressure being exerted yeah. on it. Yeah, like an actual pressure. Yeah. Now we'll move on real quick because I'm going to tie these two tie these two together. They also had a representative from Honeywell come in, and he, they would look at the the bent antennas, and the representative. Uh, can only really say that he thinks it's going to be like a burst of air that did it. Uh, and he thinks so because there's still bugs on the antenna. Mm-hmm. If someone would have bent it by hand, they would have rubbed some of the bugs off. Yeah. Whether or not by just their hand being on and grabbing it. it. And trying to bend it. Or whether or not the person did it goes, ew, and then wipes it off. Mm-hmm. Right? So the burst of air from the Honeywell representative explanation compared to Mr. French's uh how can I, what's the word I want to say? 
conclusion, conclusion. That, it, that it wasn't a forceful hit but a pressure hit what type of thing would be doing that because mr french also did say that he thinks the object was hard so what i do find a little bit confusing about mr french and let's be honest with all due respect to mr french he just didn't seem like he was knew why he was there mm-hmm. but if the object didn't break it by force and it broke it by pressure why would it need to be hard to which he said the object must have been hard you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you got a bunch of Play-Doh and you packed it in there and you pushed the Play-Doh down, could it feasibly bend the glass just as much as a hard rubber or a hard ball bearing would be? Yeah. You know what I mean? Why does it, why does it need to be hard in order for it to push so hard to break it? Mm. So, but regardless, whether or not you want to formulate these two things together and go with the Honeywell's a, br- a br- brush of air, maybe the, the, whatever, the air that came with the object kind of did it. But it actually slowed down to the point that it pushed instead of just smacked to break. Um, moving on. And I lost my plays. I know. I was trying to kind of keep up where you were. and I, I, I I'm following right lost. along with the script. So I'm trying to take a new tack this week to try to keep up so that everybody in the live can actually kind of hear some of them. I've been kind of reading more to try to keep it not as, a, not as much of a surprise. So, uh, throughout most of the professional investigations done, one could be still asking a few questions. Uh, foremost, and without outwardly calling into question Officer Johnson's claims, there's always a concern for a hoax. Yeah, you always have that possibility. Mm-hmm. Now, we've already started to kind of cover this. And what we mean by hoax, at least in this instance, and we're not thinking it's going to be for notoriety. We're not thinking it's going to be for a good story, but covering up something that he, he had done that may require disciplinary action. Mm-hmm. Was he high? Was he drunk? Did he lose control because he was goofing off on his cell phone? No, because it's 1979. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no, they did have cell phones back then. 1979? Yeah, but they were in the, the bag, you know, with the big, you know, like suitcase looking thing. In 79? Yeah. Huh, I anyway. think that was actually mid-70s. Uh, when they... Joke backfired. I know. I didn't care. Uh, so so did he, was he goofing <laughs> off? Was he goofing off or was he impaired to the point of, of wrecking the vehicle and then had to come up with this crazy story that kind of kind of helped believe you? Oh, this ball is crazy. It was nuts. Um, it was nuts. <laughs> uh, from my point of view, this seems kind of... Hold on, I got an itch in my ear. Okay. Seems kind of a far stretch. And the only reason why is because one of the big things that... I can already tend to see hoaxes doing this because I've, I've actually seen too many stories of out and out hoaxes. There's been a few. But one one one, one of the reasons why you would want to hoax something is for financial gain. Mm-hmm. And the He didn't do that. He really didn't. He really didn't do anything at all. He didn't write a book. I don't think there's a movie made about it. The no. only thing that he really had done was went on this TV show, which I don't That's incredible, yeah. think they paid him anything for. No, and he did actually turn down, wasn't it, um, for the National Enquirer? Yep. He turned down a $1,000 offer to go under hypnosis. Yep, just like the Stanford, Kentucky. I was just going to say that, yeah. Do you remember what year that was? I I believe, if I remember right, the Stanford, uh, Kentucky abduction was 76. That's close. It's close. Yeah, it's around in there, 76. I think it was 76. And I think they did. They did. There were three women in Stanford, Kentucky, who um, kind of, I mean, their, their car wasn't attacked, but they we and we did a podcast on that. So if you want to hear more about this story, go check that I think it was out. A couple episodes ago. Yeah, it was a couple episodes ago. Hey, Jamie Decker, I love but your face. They were, um, you know, being pursued by this UFO, um, and then ended up doing hypnosis and uncovering that they were taken aboard the ship, and uh, you know all this other stuff. 
So, you know, a lot of cases or a lot of similarities between that case and this case. Oh, we got some we got some do-gooders here that have the access on Google. Both Jeremy Bethel and, Ed, and Edward Romero say mobile phone was invented in 1973. <laughs> one says April, one says May. So my joke was terrible. I'm sorry. And thank you for the clarification. Uh, but yes, he did turn down the $1,000 offer to go under do under hypnosis for the National Enquirer, but he did take up that's that's incredible. Mm. uh for that for that piece that's I, I think to just kind of not to get financial gain but just kind of tell his story mm-hmm. you know tell his story maybe get it off his chest and i don't know maybe a little bit of hoping other people you know that may have had experiences would come forward yeah yeah now for the next year after the incident uh the johnson's home phone would not stop ringing uh with people who wanted to talk about it with people who wanted to interview them with uh with with everything having to do with the case this case did go nationwide which which the the overall coverage of it i'm sure him going on that's incredible didn't help at all um because that was a popular show back then I, I, okay. it was really popular I need to look it up and actually go over all of them yeah because they did yeah, a good job big. in my opinion i'm trying to that. think what would be like comparable now but i mean like it was a big deal like people tuned in at eight o'clock every whatever like wednesday st- night you know oh that's incredible song. and they had like a studio audience it wasn't like an yeah. unsolved mysteries where it was a narrative no no, and no they had a live audience and you know they would do also a lot of like um uh i don't know just like dumb things like oh we've got this it popped into my head. I got to say it. We've got this tiger trainer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're not even going to go into that. We're not even <laughs> going to do it. But uh, you know what I mean? Like they would just do stuff like that yeah. live. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, and, and uh, just real quick here. Myrtle brings up a good point. In 1979, hypnosis was considered pretty weird for most people. Well, even now today, you know, I with me, I, I am a certified hypnotist and I still... You know, 2020, I'm dealing with stuff like this um, because people think it's still I think it's coming off of that 1950s horror movie where they're, you know, holding the watch, you're getting <laughs> very sleepy, you know, and thinking it's some kind of mind control. Um, but he didn't. He decided to not. He did not do any type of hypnosis. Um, I don't know. Was it because of that that, you know, with that whole. Well, you know, or did he just not want to know what might have happened that night? You know, some people just don't want to. I, I don't want to know. I'm happy just not knowing. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure that being in the location that he is from the area that he is, it seemed kind of nonsensical for him to do. Um, and he just didn't seem didn't have a seem viable solution to him. Um, again, regardless, him going on. That's incredible. Probably didn't help all the phone calls. And no, no, ran no. his wife ragged. Uh, they just kind of wanted it to stop i mean it wasn't that great um and ultimately he would be quoted as saying uh and other stories would come along to push me off the front page thank goodness mm-hmm. and out of that small quote alone you, you, you could tell how how finally refreshed he was to not be the center of attention he would later go on uh become a deputy oh sorry where deputy he would take the chief of police job nearby town of oslo <laughs> of mm-hmm. oslo minnesota uh in 1982 i think i read in one article uh, he'd be hired f- to form the rosau rosau minnesota R- police department yeah um he would actually lose his job not long after due to a funding dispute um he would go on after that to become a security officer at the twin cities mall and then a friend would get him a job answering customer service calls for 3m uh johnson would later be stated as saying once you're chief of police and then get fired you're unhirable which is unfortunate yeah, yeah. Um, for the, sh- I shouldn't even say sh- short time because it's 1979. Uh, for 
kind of the longest time he was very open to still talk about it yeah and people would just like come by his house and he would invite them I know. he would just invite them into the backyard they would have lemonade and they would talk about it like that's kind of weird um there is an article written uh by john anger for npr though that at least in 2015 a then 71 year old johnson uh was just done talking about it he had retired he's to, over it yep he had retired to uh eau claire as i say it eau claire wisconsin eau claire yeah. wisconsin um, and he was just done talking about it. Yeah. Well, apparently he talked to John Ang- Angler or Anger to say that he was done talking about it. Well, yeah, but I'm sure, you know, uh, after all this time, he's probably, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure he had people, you know, come to him and just, you know, sincerely want to know what happened yeah. from the man that it happened to. Mm-hmm. But uh, come on now, you know that he probably had quite a few instances of people saying oh you val johnson you're crazy yeah you know so you know and you have years and years and years of that i'm I'm sure he was just like you know what i'm done i'm yep. not even gonna talk about it anymore i'm just gonna sit in the backyard i'm gonna drink lemonade and yep not even gonna do it um with that article uh by john anger for mbr uh he he's just he's done talking about it to the point that he's not even going to speculate anymore on exactly what it is mm-hmm. um i know that in at the end of that the, the that's incredible episode uh they asked him what he thought it was and he says could it be extraterrestrial possibly he said regardless he he mixes both his faith in god and whatever it was together in a way because it really changed how he starts to view things mm-hmm. in not such a closed mindedness and what if i could kind of paraphrase in a way of what god's capable of yeah, yeah so he doesn't necessarily separate any of the any of the extraterrestrial whatever it could be the supernatural whatever it could be uh because by this point it could just be some type of, of fairy that could was out there and i say that in all seriousness i mean there, it mm-hmm. could have been some type of of glowing cryptid that he ran into he's just done talking about it but whatever it was it's not distinctly separated from his from his faith in the God that he believes in mm-hmm. with what it is, and somehow they're intertwined. Now, as for whether or not that God like sent him that thing to happen, that situation to occur, uh, he's just kind of done talking about it. He doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that's true with a lot of people that have had um, some type of intimate UFO experience like that, yeah. alien abduction, is, you know, you have that, where you feel clashed, you know, you know what your belief is or what you've been, you know, you've grown up believing. And then you have this instance that, or many instances that happens. And you're like, you're the, the, the sense of being conflicted is, is just crazy strong for more than one reason. Yeah. So that's something that a lot of, of people who have had these experiences, they struggle with it. And I'm sure that Val Johnson was really no different, especially in that time period. You know, things are kind of better now, you know, if, if you've had an experience like that, you can join any one of the number of Facebook groups, you know, out there yeah. for the paranormal, for that type of thing. Yeah. So at least you do have that, you know, you outlet for you to hopefully get answers or connect with other people that have had the same experience. Yeah. But seven, 1979, you didn't really want to go out talking stuff like that. You know, next yeah. thing you know, they're going to say you're crazy and you're locked up in the clink. You know, well, you know, I, I'm being uh, serious. That's true. So and, I really don't blame him. But he did did seem like he weathered it very well. I mean, being so accepting as he was to just random passerby who wanted to come in and talk to it. Yeah. Talk to him. He or didn't interview turn him, him away. No, but by now he's 70 years old. He don't give a flying heck. Yeah, he's done. Done about it. Done. I mean, it was so long ago. But I, I, I really would, you know, there's that part of me. 
I, I really would like to, you know, talk with him and, you know, convince him to try hypnosis. You know, at 71 years old, I'm sure he's probably like, yeah, get out of here, crazy lady. But I would be... Truck, it would be it, going by. Yeah. Well, yeah. It would be interesting <laughs> to know what could be uncovered from his memories of that night. Yeah. That's but true. understandably, and that's his right. He doesn't. Just leave him doesn't, alone. Yeah. Now. Leave me alone. Yeah. I don't want to know. As opposed to a lot of our stories, which you guys could probably get an assumption from our pictures earlier. Unlike some of our stories where you just hear us talking about it, and you can go read these articles yourself, you can watch these videos yourself. Uh, this this case is different in that you can actually go and see the police cruiser. Yeah. Yeah. Um. At the urging of then-Sheriff Breck, uh, the the authority over Val Johnson at the time, mm-hmm. to not have the vehicle repaired and to be kept, they kept it in in the same condition that it was in. They left all the damage involved. Um, you can actually go to, was it the Warren Historical Society's Museum in northwest uh, Minnesota, Minnesota? And they actually have it there. Now, I don't know if they have special events that you can come see or if they had just have it set up in like a museum that you can mm-hmm. see at any point in time. Sure. Uh, but uh, they do allow you to see it, and you can come look at it and gawk over it and take it in, and it's all its, you know, what I say, mysteriously damaged glory. Yeah, something else that I just it just kind of popped in there. I wonder, I don't, I, I've i never seen where they've done tests or anything like that. Maybe they have. Um, but I wonder if they ever did tests to determine if there was any residual radiation mm. on the car. Yeah. Did you find, I, I've never seen anything. I didn't anything. see one lick of that. Um, so that would be interesting to note. Yeah. You know. Yep, I didn't see I didn't see any of that. I'm um, going back to I can't remember who it was talking about something that came in the windshield, uh, with doing those. Uh, Holly was yeah. it Holly? Holly's coming. Uh, yeah. Uh, when, with doing the uh, the writing on the windshield itself, I don't remember ever hearing Meridian French talk about any type of actual penetration, mm. and that's why I say in all the research I did, I didn't see that. Uh, in in that case in point, would have been if it if it pushed into the point of breaking. Um, to me, there wouldn't be any pin point holes that there had to have been for us to miss in these pictures i mean you could see where like the general damage was but to have a hole so small to go through to come back out uh, i didn't see that so maybe that's something i missed i try to do research the best i can um but that wraps up the story super cool super super cool super cool yeah that wraps it up story um but yeah i really enjoyed this it was a good one story yeah i hope you guys enjoyed it also i thought it was gonna be kind of short to be honest with you whenever we do topics we kind of uh usually just throw them up on stuff that we find like oh that's a cool topic let's do this and then we'll kind of like delve into it a little bit and then sometimes um it's not really there's not really a lot of information on it or we can't really do a deep dive on it so sometimes we uh we have to like we have to table it for the time being other times like the ohio river monster extravaganza we you know pile three into one one. yeah we actually had one the other day that i had to i had to tell you that i'm not sure if we're going to do the was it the bunyip the bunyip um the bunyip is on a australian cryptid uh-huh. and apparently it's like like the bunyip over there is like bigfoot here yeah but see the the problem is is all the research i was doing i'll have to take a second look into it but there's no like real first-hand sightings of the bunyip hmm. it's all just like folkloric like a legend yeah, yeah folkloric legends i think we should still do it because i it, like i said in australia that's a big thing yeah but i don't know if so I'm... if anything we should do it for our australian listeners if we have australian listeners and you want to show we done do, on the bunyip, i have seen them you email us at supernaturaltendenciespodcast at gmail.com and let us know you want to hear it. Because honestly, I can't find any firsthand accounts of, of encounters with the Bunyip. It's all supernatural legends. And I don't know if we want to delve into... Well, hold on here. I'm going to one-up this one. If you are one of our Australian listeners and you are knowledgeable you know, with this folklore of the Bunyip, 
and you would like to be on the show with us, could we do an interview with somebody where they can tell firsthand? Probably do that. You know, and add that in. I think that would be super interesting. All right. Yeah. I mean, we can so do if that. So if you're interested in that and you are one of our Australian listeners, message us. I'm not sure if the bunny up goes into New Zealand. So any, it might. If if you're if you're a Kiwi in that as area. well, if you're a, no, if you're a Kiwi as well, and you if you know of any stories about the bunyip, then you could let us know too. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think we have very many Australian listeners. We may. So if you know of anything about the bunyip, if you don't want to be on the show, we understand. If you have any articles or any uh, eyewitness accounts that you know of, I couldn't find any. I mean, I went, I did like a two day research on it, and it was just constant just legend yeah. stories from like Aboriginal stories and stuff like that. And I don't know if we really really want to get into creatures of purely myth and legend. See, I'm torn on that because, uh, well, here Trista says. Um, that she has some friends in Australia that she can ask. There you go. That'll work. Super cool. Thank you, Trista. Yeah. See if you can do that. Because I think that would be really cool. But, you know, I'm really fascinated with those uh, stories, the legends, the folklore from the the Aborigines. Did you know that the Aborigines are actually the oldest civilization or whatever you want to call it? No, I've never heard Ongoing. Yeah. Continuously. Besides the Chinese and the Jews. No, even older. They, it goes back to, yeah, I, I saw that. I've read it a couple of times, but yeah. Huh, I'll have to look into that. Yep, yep. Because the last time I, I had seen it, it was it was the uh, Jewish people. No. And the Chinese. No, no. Aborigines are way older than that. And it, 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 listening to their stories, these stories have been passed down and passed down and handed down. So I believe a lot of them. I mean, some of it is due to interpretation, uh-huh. but especially like in cases of the bunyip. Yeah. Um. They're not going to confuse a cryptid or something like that with native animals of the area. You know what I mean? Like, they're used to all these animals. They know what these animals are. Yeah, but do you know how many different different d- d- descriptive descriptors there are of the bunyip? Yeah, I know. There is a couple different like ones. Like, a, yeah. a bunch. Yeah. Like, that don't even look at all like the last description. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's difficult. But, uh, Travis Wood... How you doing, buddy? Life is going as good as it can right now, obviously. So it's good talking to you again. Glad to see you in here. Thank you. It's been uh, too long since we last talked. But I hope you're doing good as well. Um, I think that's about it, though. Thank you for everyone for yeah, who yeah. Uh, joined in. Um, we uh, are seeing still an uptick of listens, and we want to thank you for that. If you're listening uh, throughout this stuff, um, I'm, we're on a bunch of podcasts from motion groups. And unfortunately, we're uh, a lot of people in there are seeing a lot of dips in their numbers. Um, we are thankfully not seeing any of that. And we're glad to keep having people listen. Uh, we've topped numbers, uh, consistently month over month and we appreciate it so much. We're hoping you are enjoying listening as much as we are enjoying making this for you. And again, we do apologize for not coming back, um, sooner with this. Um, we're not sure if we're going to have a continually shaky schedule. Uh, we're going to try to do what we can. Uh, we do have families to look after and we don't want to contribute to this to any more, uh, contribute to this any more than than anybody else does uh we still want to get our content out and this is still something we like to do so um the way that you can keep in contact with us or sharing the spooky the creepy and the bizarre is actually getting on our facebook group so if you have any friends that might want to partake partake in that we post stuff all the time polls stories 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 supernatural tendencies podcast uh facebook group you can find us on there also like and subscribe us on youtube um and then any of the podcast platforms you may be uh listening to us on we've seen a huge spike in our heart radio yeah a um, bunch of people Spotify, on there anchor 
Yep, if you're listening iTunes. on any of those platforms, give us a review. Give us some stars on what you think. We only have like seven reviews on, on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Uh, but uh, actually, our listens on iTunes and podca- uh, Apple Podcasts have kind of come down. If whatever platform you're listening to doesn't have the available feature to give a, a review and, and, and a star system, come over to our Facebook page. Give us a review on there. We'll read that on, on the air too. So if you find if you find that you're on like a podcast addict or anything like that and you can't leave anything, I'm not fully up to par with if you can or not there, but just as an example, uh, hop on over to our Facebook page. Give us a like. Give us a review on there. And we'll read that on the air too. And we appreciate your time and your effort. And we hope to uh, continue this for a little while longer. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Oh, oh! My screen is glitching yep. out. We dropped. Did it? I'm, I'm yeah. not showing that we. Yeah, both my feeds dropped. Um, I'm gonna keep going for the audio listeners until we if we have trouble connecting. If you're still listening to this on the uh, audio side, I think we dropped our video feed. Stick around for the end. We got a great band this week, and life is short. Uh, and we will see you after the credits. All right, guys, take care, and we will see you next time on the Supernatural Tendencies podcast. Take care. Love you. Bye-bye. We'd like to say thank you one more time for hopping on board with us this week. If you have any comments, questions, critiques, or suggestions for new topics, please send us an email at supernaturaltendenciespodcast at gmail.com. We also encourage you to get over to our Facebook page at Supernatural Tendencies Podcast and go ahead and elbow drop that like button for us. We're also available on Instagram at Supernatural Tendencies Podcast and Twitter at Weird and Scary if that's more to your liking. Please pass us around to your friends as well, where they can find us on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast platforms. And remember, if you're having any type of paranormal activity or extraterrestrial contact, I offer private coaching online via Skype or Facebook Messenger to assist you with those issues. Feel free to visit me at christyjohnsonsadler.com for contact information. Till next time, this has been Alex and Christy. See you later. And here we are after our extended break again for the Musician's Spotlight, and I'm freaking fracking excited about this week. That's pretty excited. I'm pretty excited, yeah. You know, after all doing all of these musician Spotlights, we tend to we tend to get either, like, metal or we get pop punk. Yeah. Which I'm totally fine with. Whatever, you know? And that's not saying anything bad about everybody else. Like, we, I think we had uh, Venom Eddie Brock there. He did some hip-hop out of New York. We had some uh, some spacey stuff, some artsy stuff, which is we what we, we love. Uh, we, and we would love to continue to get the different the different genres. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad to see, um, especially, that the pop punk didn't die in, like, what, 2006, 2007? It may mm-hmm. have went on longer than that. But in its heyday, especially when I listened to it, like, in middle school, man, like, the Sum 41, and and I, I think Blink went, went, they went beyond that. They yeah. went, like, 2000-whatevers, and I, they're doing stuff now just without, uh, without, um... Tom DeLong. Tom DeLong, which I think, I think they were in the talks there again. I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. I don't really care.
But we still have bands doing the pop-punk thing, and they're doing it well. Uh, we've already featured some pop-punk bands before, and we're going to do it again this week. Uh, this time, I actually approached this band, this person that started out, uh, Josh Moose. Uh, some of you may know him if, you, if you've if you liked any type of pop-punk stuff, stuff on Facebook. This is where I was introduced to Moose. Uh, he does pop-punk Moose page, or the pop-punk Moose page. Uh, he used to do a bunch of covers where he, I think it was just him doing all the instruments, and he's done, like, My Girl and... Uh, there's a couple other ones I can't think of right offhand, and he would do all of them in a pop punk fashion. So like I liked his page, following his stuff. Um, I've followed him for quite a while now, and so I uh, messaged him and asked if uh, if we could feature him uh, because I really I really dug it. And uh, he ended up getting back with me because he actually has a band. Now, I'll get into why I'm kind of confused about that in a minute. Uh, but he, he allowed us to use some of his stuff today, which got me thinking, do we need to put like a disclaimer? We usually say that we've been given permission by these bands. Do we need to put a written disclaimer on these uh, somewhere in the post? Well, I always like on, on YouTube or, um, you know, whatever. Do you, I, put, do you put a disclaimer? No. That we don't own in whole or in part any part of these songs? And no. Purely, I probably should. Yeah, I probably should Purely using them for that. promotional yeah, purposes for the band? Yeah, Okay, or artists. Uh, yeah, let that be known. If you're listening up until this point, if you've continued to listen, if you've been featured before, we do not own any part of your song. We don't own it in whole, in part, any color, fraction, or anything of it. Uh, purely for promotional purposes. So We just want to help you out. You deserve to be heard. We love... Yep. love local bands wherever your music. local is mm-hmm. yeah we love music and yep so uh moose went ahead and sent, sent me over uh, a track and some art for uh his project life is short i call it a project because if i go if you go to their facebook page the only members that's listed is him <laughs> so uh they have a bunch of videos and out he's like, awesome they, they have a bunch of videos out that are high quality music videos yeah. that show a whole band so i'm not sure if he is life is short and he has like some stand-in you know you know studio artists with him or if, <clears> if it's an actual band you need to clarify that moose come on get on it everything else you have is totally professional Clarify it for me. Make make an idiot understand. We want clarification. Uh, But he does say his hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Love Pittsburgh. Does he have a Facebook page? Uh, Yes. He has multiples. Uh, One for Pop Puck Moose. I'm sure uh, he has his own personal. He's got one for Life is Short. So as per usual with any of these bands and artists, go to Life is Short. Give that a like. Hey, if you happen to be on there and you like the stuff, give Pop Puck Moose a like too. He does videos all the time. I think he might have got nabbed for some type of copyright thing so i'm not sure how that's working with his covers um hopefully he can continue those because those are absolutely fantastic yeah uh but that aside life is short is fantastic too so if there are other members in the band um i'm sorry for not mentioning you i don't have your names and also if that offends you that i that i add in his pop punk moose stuff because i think that's his own separate stuff i'm sorry again but i'm just treating it as an entity because that's how kind of how i received it and that's kind of how i view it as of now um the song uh, he sent over us from, I think it's like a six-song EP they have, and I love the cover art for it. Very colorful, um, almost like a, like a mosaic fashion, uh, but it's really sweet. Um, as with any, or as with most of our artists, if you get on their band camp, um, you can purchase that EP, especially right now. And I'm not sure if it's still going on, but it was as of like last week or two weeks ago, and the dogs are walking all over. <laughs> um, I believe Bandcamp is waiving all of their take on a purchase. Oh wow! So I think the artists on there are receiving the vast majority. So now's the Ooh, time to me. do that. Because I think we've spoken about that before. Because you really don't use Bandcamp. No. Um, you can go on there and you can buy per song, you can buy per you know per album, however the ar- artists want to list it. And sometimes they my table is creaky all to hell. This is a terrible table for today. Um, the artists can actually put how much they want to charge for a song or for an album, and sometimes they can put list your price. Well. 
<clears throat> if I understood it right, and I'm going to actually email this to Moose when I let him know that they're, that, that they're being featured this week. Uh, if you pay $5, it says compact disc. And I'm I'm old, new school. I need I need a compact disc. Like I always have, like to have that physical copy. I've started to dip my toe in records and stuff like that. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to go to tapes again. But for sure my CDs. Because that's how I transfer them to all my different devices. Yeah. Um, but if you get the chance, you could download them straight to your phone, straight to your tablet, straight to your computer. Uh, give give them a listen. Give them give them five bucks, man. Get some music, especially right now with all the artists and all the stuff shutting down. If you happen to be an essential worker, give five bucks to an artist. And this week, I implore you to go to Life is Short uh, with Moose and the guys. Uh, give them five bucks. Let them give you music in return, and you will not be dissatisfied. I don't think they have shows lined up for obvious reasons many bands probably won't um they may have some live streams up though a lot of bands are doing that now yeah on their facebook pages like live so stream check concerts that out. and stuff yeah. uh live stream jams so if you get the chance hop on over give them a like give them a purchase pass around some some support uh with what everyone's going through right now if you have the means to do so uh five bucks is five bucks i know that uh like i said i'm gonna I'm going to ask him for clarification when I let him know that they're being featured this week, exactly how I could get a physical copy of the CD. Uh, but I do plan on buying one too, because so far I've listened to three songs off of it and uh, each one is better than the last. So today I believe the song he had sent us is everything never intended. You will like it. If you enjoy pop punk, even if you don't necessarily enjoy pop punk, you're probably going to like it too. So without further ado, here it is. Thank you, Moose. So Alex was a self-proclaimed idiot this week. And when we recorded this segment, he got the songs mixed up. He said he had listened to a bunch of Life is Short songs, and he got this one stuck in his head, and he thought this one was being featured. He was mistaken, and by the time he realized it, he had to have me record this for him. The song this week is from Life is Short, but it's not Everything Never Intended. It will, in fact, be Life is Short, same as the band. Now, with corrections made, here is Life is Short with Life is Short. Play it, Alex. Disconnected from reality. There's a little more than what I have to be. I just know it. If I'm loud and obnoxious, then quiet and don't say things. What's it to you? The nights are short, but we still hang out Because we have each other nets You see wood, we see fire You're waking up and we're getting tired The days for sleeping in You make cash and we make music We know how clean your suit is But are you happy? The nights are short, but we still hang out Because we have each other nets All that 